continuing the series of gifts in the church. Um, and in this particular series, we're looking at the ministry gifts. We've identified that there are, in fact, three categories of gifts revealed to us in the New Testament. Uh, the functional gifts, which every single believer does receive at least one gift from the Lord so that they can function in the body of Christ. And the second category of gifts revealed are the spiritual gifts, um, as revealed to us in the book of Corinthians, chapter 12, those nine spiritual gifts. And, uh, but we're dealing, the third category is the category of uh, the ministry gifts. And uh, the ministry gifts are revealed to us in Ephesians chapter 4 and also in 1 Corinthians 12. Um, the five main ministry gifts listed are the, the uh, gifts of the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher. Uh, as listed for us in the book of Ephesians chapter 4. In Corinthians chapter 12, the apostle, the prophet, and the teacher are listed as well. But there are five, or really six, subsequent ministry gifts that are listed in that passage of Scripture. And those are more of the minor ministry gifts, but nevertheless, they are ministry gifts as such. And we said you can look at the combination of, uh, it lists the ministry gift of administrations and helps. And you can look at that as a combination to um, equal the ministry gift of the pastor, because the pastor stands in, in those offices. And then we saw the ministry gifts of gifts of healings and working of miracles. We said we can equate that to the gifts uh, of the evangelist, because we saw that Philip the evangelist operated in those ministry gifts anyway. Um, and so we've dealt with, uh, so far in this series, we um, have dealt with the ministry gift of the Apostle. Because we're only going to concentrate on the five main ministry gifts in this particular uh, series, which is Apostle, Prophet, Evangelist, Pastor, Teacher. Um, and we have looked so far at the ministry gift of the Apostle. And just to recap briefly as to what we went through in the previous teaching regarding the ministry gift of the Apostle, we said that in order for one to stand in this particular office, um, they would have had a, an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ at some point in their ministry. When I say an encounter, they would have seen the Lord Jesus. And uh, we saw scripture along that line that the Lord appears to his apostles. And so for one to qualify for that office at some point in their ministry, um, the Lord Jesus will appear to that individual. And then we had a look at the gifts of the Spirit that pertain to the ministry gift of the Apostle. And we said right at the outset of this series on the ministry gifts, we said it is very possible for one to stand in a ministry gift office and operate in no spiritual gifts, um, purely because of ignorance, because that individual doesn't know which spiritual gifts are available to them or has no encounter with the Holy Spirit and that they haven't yet been filled with the Holy Spirit and uh, with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. But nevertheless, um, spiritual gifts are meant to be attached to the various ministry gifts. And so we had a look at the ministry gift of the Apostle, and we saw in Scripture that all nine of the spiritual gifts listed for us in, the, in um, 1 Corinthians 12, um, verse 7 through to 10, let me just read that. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, 
to another different kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. And so there are nine uh, spiritual gifts listed there. And we saw evidence, we looked at the Apostle Paul and the Apostle Peter, their ministries as revealed to us in the book of Acts. And we saw quite clearly that all nine of the gifts of the Holy Spirit are made manifest through the ministry gift of the Apostle. And so we said that's just another evidence of uh, one being qualified to stand in the ministry gift of the Apostle. They should have at least, well not at least, they should have all nine gifts of the Holy Spirit being made manifest through their ministries. And so we saw that it, it, it's reasonably um, easy for us to establish one who is, called, uh, who is called to the ministry as an Apostle because there's all these qualifications that are required in order for one to qualify to stand in that office. And you recall our Lord Jesus speaking to the church, one of these churches in, uh, I think it was the church at Ephesus, uh, in the book of Revelations. And he said, you guys have um, tested those who say they are apostles and found them to be liars. And so it, it, there's a lot of people that go around in the church um, stating that they are apostles but they don't meet the qualifications that are revealed to us in Scripture. And so they actually do, they're not apostles. They do not qualify for that office. Um, but in, there are individuals, there are genuine apostles in the church today. Um, and they do uh, qualify to stay in that office because of the qualifications that we've looked at thus far. And so that uh, is kind of brought us up to speed on the ministry gift of the Apostle and we said we're not going to be going any further into that gift um, in this series. Which Now that brings us to the next ministry gift uh, listed for us in Scripture, which is the ministry gift of the prophet. Now, just as we saw with regards to the ministry gift of the Apostle, that there are four uh, separate categories of apostle in the church. We saw our Lord Jesus Christ stands in, he is the preeminent apostle in the church, and he stands in a category all by himself. Then we saw the second category of apostle is the 12 apostles of the Lamb, and they also stand in that category all by themselves. Nobody else can uh, be part of that grouping of apostles. And then we saw that there is a grouping of apostles, or was a grouping of apostles, are referred to in Scripture as the foundational apostles. And we saw that those apostles were used of the Lord to um, write the New Testament doctrine for the church. And um, that New Testament doctrine has now subsequently obviously been written, and there are no more foundational apostles in the church today. So the first three categories of apostles are not on the earth today. Our Lord, obviously, uh, the twelve apostles of the Lamb, and the foundational apostles. Then we said there is the fourth category of apostle, which is equivalent to the apostle that exists in the church today. Now, in, in the same manner, uh, with regards to the office of the prophet, there are different categories of prophets in the church. But there's only three categories of prophets, whereas under the apostles' ministry, there were four categories. Under the uh, prophet's ministry, there are only three categories uh, of that particular ministry gift in the church. And again, the very first uh, category is our Lord Jesus Christ himself. He is the preeminent uh, prophet in the church. He stands in that office um, as a ministry gift completely on his own. And the book of Hebrews teaches us that God has given our Lord Jesus um, the anointing uh, 
above measure compared to the rest of us. He, he receives the full anointing. So he stands in the full anointing of the prophet uh, in the church. And he referred to himself as a prophet. Mark chapter 6 verse 4. Scripture says, But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his, in his own house. And uh, you recall that our Lord Jesus, when he went to go minister in the uh, church in, or synagogue in Nazareth, that they rejected him. Uh, so he was without honor in that particular uh, hometown that he grew up in. Also within his own family, uh, his own family rejected him as well. And so, but our Lord, the, the point we really want to bring out here in this passage of Scripture is that our Lord referred to himself as a prophet. And so our Lord stands in that particular office um, in a category all by himself. The next category of prophet that we have in, in Scripture are again the foundational prophets because we saw when we looked at the apostles' ministry that it in fact is the foundational apostles and prophets upon which the church is built on today. And so we, the, the, just as the foundational apostle was used of the Lord to bring revelation knowledge of New Testament doctrine to the church, so it is that the, the foundational prophets also fell into that category. And the scripture we can look at is in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 20. The scripture says, Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. We said when the scripture was referring to prophets there, it wasn't referring to the Old Testament prophets, it was referring to the New Testament prophets, the foundational prophets. Uh, because revelation knowledge of New Testament doctrine was never given to the Old Testament prophets. They didn't have an understanding of that. It is only the New Testament prophets that received revelation knowledge of foundational doctrine uh, given to the church. And we saw that the Apostle Paul uh, stood in that uh, category because he received his revelation knowledge from the Lord um, while he was still standing in the office of prophet, not when he stood in the office of the apostle. Um, and the scripture we can pick up on for that is in one Gal one Galatians, in Galatians chapter one verses eleven and twelve. This is the apostle Paul speaking about what transpired in his ministry when he was still a prophet. Um, the scripture says. But I make known to you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man, for I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it, but it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. And so we know the, the history of, uh, of the Apostle Paul. Um, when he was saved, he was saved on the road to Damascus. And uh, he then left Damascus uh, after he was baptized in the Holy Spirit and baptized in water, and he went into Arabia. We don't know what period of time he was in Arabia. We know that from the time that he was saved uh, on the road to Damascus until the time he left Damascus, there was a three-year period that, took, that transpired. And so the majority of that time, Peter would have been, you know, Paul would have been in Arabia. Uh, receiving revelation, knowledge of the gospel through Jesus Christ by the Holy Spirit. But the point that I wanted to get across here is that the, Paul at that time stood in the ministry gift of the prophet. He was not yet standing in the ministry gift of the apostle, and yet he received all the revelation that he needed of the gospel, and that is the gospel that he preached throughout his entire ministry. 
And so it was only many years later after Paul had received this revelation knowledge from the Lord that the Lord then promoted him into the ministry gift of the apostle. And we see that in Acts chapter 13, verses 1 and 2. The scripture says, Now in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, who had been brought up with Herod, Herod the Tetra, and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. And from there on out they were called in Scripture as apostles because they now stood in the ministry gift of the apostle. But up until that time, both Barnabas and Paul, Saul at the time, um, stood in the ministry gifts of prophets. And Paul had received his revelation of the New Testament gospel in that ministry gift. And so the category of foundational prophets also existed in the early church. Now there were obviously more than just, we, we know about Paul as a foundational prophet, but there were obviously more foundational prophets in the body of Christ at the time. Um, but the Holy Spirit saw fit to only bring in the writings of Paul into the New Testament because he had received enough revelation for us to be able to understand the gospel through his writings. Um, but once the New Testament uh, doctrine had been written down and uh, the Bible was then completed, then that particular ministry gift of foundational prophet was done away with in the church. The church didn't need them anymore because there's no more foundation to be laid. We have New Testament doctrine given to us, and that's so that category of prophet is not available to the church anymore. Um, and so that now brings us to the third category of prophet, um, because as we said, there are three categories of prophet in the church. But before we have a look at the third category of prophet in the, in the church today, I want to just do a comparative between the Old and the New Testament prophets, because this particular ministry gift um, is one that is more misunderstood than the others in the church by and large because of the fact that under the Old Covenant there were prophets and under the New Covenant there are also prophets. And so the natural carnal thinking is to just equate the New Covenant prophet with the Old Testament prophet and say, well, you know, a prophet is a prophet. That's what a prophet did under the Old Covenant. So prophets under the New Covenant should do exactly the same thing. But that's not true. That, that's not what the, the New Testament teaches us. Um, they are, there's a difference between the Old Covenant prophet and the New Covenant prophet and the way that they minister uh, in the earth. And we need to understand the difference between the two um, because if we don't, we will get confused between the two. Um, now, under the Old Covenant, there were three uh, ministry gifts, uh, you know, there were ministry gifts, uh, given to the, the children of Israel. Um, and each one performed a different function. There was the ministry gift of the king. The king was anointed by the Holy Spirit to perform the function as king. And so he served the, the nation of Israel as king. Quite often they didn't serve, they actually ruled, but they were meant to serve the, the, the children of Israel as king. Um, and that was the anointing. That's all they, they, God anointed them to do, is to operate as king. Then there was the ministry gift of the priest, and that particular ministry gift was anointed by the Holy Spirit to um, offer sacrifices and to 
teach the children of Israel how to uh, present their sacrifices to God. And, and basically everything around the temple is what they were used of the Lord to perform. And they were anointed in that. Then there was the ministry gift of the prophet. Now the ministry gift of the prophet was the only ministry gift uh, given to the children of Israel that actually proclaimed and taught and preached the word of God to the uh, children of Israel. The king didn't do that and the priest also didn't do that. Although the priest could read the law to the children of Israel and did teach the children of Israel how to present their gifts to God, they did not proclaim the word of God. So they weren't preachers of the word of God. It was the prophet who was a preacher of God's word. And the scripture we can have a look at is in Zechariah chapter 1 verse 4. The scripture says, Do not be like your fathers, to whom the former prophets preached, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Turn now from your evil ways and your evil deeds. But they did not hear me, says the Lord. And so the Lord used the prophet's ministry under the old covenant to preach uh, the word of God to the children of Israel. That was their uh, primary role actually that they um, needed to perform. Now under the new covenant things have changed because we don't just have the prophet's ministry under the new covenant. Under the new covenant we have the five main ministry gifts and obviously the others that I've mentioned in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. But we have the five main which is apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor and teacher. And all five of those ministry gifts proclaim the Word of God, they teach the Word of God, they preach the Word of God. So whereas under the Old Covenant there was only the ministry gift of the prophet that was available to the children of Israel, under the New Covenant there are these five main ministry gifts that are available to the church to proclaim the Word of God. Both do the same function. Old Covenant preached the Word of God, New Covenant also preached the Word of God, but it's spread across a broader spectrum of ministry gifts. It is not only the prophet under the new covenant that preaches the word of God. All of them um, preach the word of God, uh, preach the word of God, shall I say, or teach the word of God. Now, also under the old covenant, uh, there was a, a, a difference between the children of Israel and the church. Just as there's a difference in ministries uh, between the old covenant prophet and the new covenant ministry gifts, so under the old covenant, there's a difference between the children of Israel and the church. The children of Israel did not have the Holy Spirit residing on the inside of them because they were not born again. They were all spiritually dead. And so no saint under the Old Covenant could inquire of God of themselves through prayer and God would then reveal to them His will for their lives. They had to go to the prophet because they were, they were cut off from communication with God. Um, and so the only way that they could find out the will of the Lord for their lives is they would have to go to wherever the prophet was and they had to inquire through the prophet um, what God's will was for their lives. And so what would happen is the, you would say, okay, I need to find out whether I should be um, moving to stay in another town uh, for argument's sake. And so you would go to the prophet and you would say, you know, I've been given an opportunity to move and stay in another town. I need to know whether God is saying I should do that or not. And so the prophet would then go and inquire of God, find out from the Lord what God said, and they would then in turn speak to the individual and say, thus saith the Lord, yes, you can go, no, you shouldn't go. That's an example. It's pretty much the kind of thing that, that transpired. 
Um, because, as I say, the saint under the Old Covenant had no access to the Spirit of God. And so they couldn't inquire from God directly themselves. And so they had to go to the prophet. That's the way God operated under that uh, covenant. And um, we can see even the king who was anointed by God, by the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit came upon the king to function as a king. Even a king would go to the prophet to get a direction from the Lord. And we can pick up a, a scriptural account of that in 2 Kings chapter 3, verse 11. Scripture says, But Jehoshaphat said, Is there no prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire of the Lord by him? So one of the servants of the king of Israel answered and said, Elisha, the son of Shaphat, is here, who poured water on the hands of Elijah. And so we see there that uh, even the king went to the prophet to get guidance, to find out from the Lord what they should be doing. Um, and the prophet would then say, thus saith the Lord, and God would then give them guidance through that ministry gift. Under the new covenant, things have changed, because now the saints under the new covenant have God himself residing on the inside of them. God the Holy Spirit, he resides on the inside of every born-again believer. And so it is unscriptural under the new covenant for saints to go to prophets to find out from prophets what the will of the Lord is for their lives. Because under the new covenant, the scripture says in Romans chapter 8 verse 14, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. And so we are not led by prophets anymore. We're led directly by the Spirit of God. Why is that? Because He resides on the inside of every single saint. The scripture says in Romans 8.16, For the Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirits that we are children of God. And so the way that the Holy Spirit um, guides the New Testament saint is that He bears witness with our spirits as to what the will of the Lord is for our lives. And so we should always uh, look to the leading and guidance of the Holy Spirit in our spirits in order to follow after the leading and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Um, and so, as I say, things have changed dramatically um, from that aspect with regards to seeking guidance from the Lord. The, the Old Testament saints were constrained. They had no other way of finding out from the Lord what the, the Lord's will was. They had to go to a prophet in order to find out the, the will of the Lord. Under the New Covenant, we all have direct access to God Himself. So we don't go to a, another uh, man and say, won't you find out from God for me what His will is for me? Because that man that you go to has the same spirit living in him that's living in you. And so God will speak to you um, more than He will speak through another man. Um, now He does, and we'll get to it, but it's, it, it is unscriptural for New Testament saints to go to prophets to ask for, won't you please give me a prophetic word from the Lord? What, what is God saying I should be doing or shouldn't be doing? Uh, you know, please inquire from God for me and give me a prophetic word. Um, that is entirely unscriptural. There's not one place in the New Testament where it is recorded that any saint went to a prophet to get guidance from the prophet. And the reason that there's no uh, example in Scripture, New Testament, of that taking place is because God expects us under the New Covenant to have our own relationship with Him um, because we're His children. 
And so he doesn't expect, he doesn't approve of us trying to have a relationship with him through a third party um, because he dwells within each one of us. And he, he wants to have fellowship with us, and we should have fellowship with him. Fellowship means that, Lord, uh, he reveals to us what he's will. Our Lord said to us, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will show you things to come. And so that's his role. One of the things that the Holy Spirit does is he gives us guidance in life. And so he shows us, this is going to happen. I want you to do this or not do that. And so that's how we are meant to uh, be led under the new covenant. So as I say, it, it, it's very important for us to differentiate between the New Testament prophet and the Old Testament prophet. Because the, because the titles remain the same, people get deceived into thinking the function is the same, and it's not. Under the new covenant, the function and the role of the, of the, uh, the prophet is different to the function and the role of the prophet under the old. And we really need to understand that because there's a lot of uh, weird stuff that then takes place in the church when she tries to treat the prophet under the new covenant as a prophet under the old. In other words, you know, the prophet's always going to give me guidance. So when the prophet's in, um, wherever he's ministry, I need to go there so he can give me a word from the Lord. Or I need to be phoning him up or I need to be sending him emails. And you get these people that, you know, um, send us, uh, I don't know, five dollars, whatever it is, and will give you a prophetic word from God, and that's not God. Now, there's a super, some of these people operate in a supernatural realm, without a doubt. There are um, accurate words of knowledge given through these uh, ministries, is not the right term, but nevertheless, um, because they are open to deceiving spirits, to um, familiar spirits. And so you know, Satan is able to do this kind of stuff. It's not uh, outside of his realm. He can do it. Uh, and so the, the, the person opens themselves to that. And so it kind of just adds to the deception because now the person hears through this ministry gift, and it's not the right term because we're talking about false prophets now, uh, hears through this false prophet um, accurate words of knowledge about themselves. And so they think, whoa, okay, this guy's really, uh, because it can only be, he can only know these things supernaturally. And so because he knows this, I can now trust what he's saying, and you can't, because that's not God speaking. But, so the people say, okay, but what about, because uh, you know, I, I made the, the comment that there's no place in the New Testament where anybody ever went to a prophet to get guidance from the prophet, because it's unscriptural to do so. But there is the, uh, the example given to us in Scripture, and there's actually quite a lot of examples given to us in Scripture where people do receive uh, guidance through the prophet. But it's the, uh, the way that it's done under the New Covenant is different to the way it's done under the Old. Under the Old, if you, wanted, if you needed guidance, you had to go to the prophet. Um, you went to the prophet to get guidance. He didn't come to you. Um, you know, he was, he, he was one man, and you had a whole bunch of people needing guidance. So everybody would go to the prophet. He didn't go around knocking the door and say, can I give you guidance? Under the new covenant, it's different. The prophet gets sent to the individual. And so we pick up the account in Acts 21, verse 10 to 11. This is a case of a prophet giving guidance to a saint of the Lord under the new covenant. And look what he says. And as we stayed many days, a certain prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. When he had come to us, he took Paul's belt 
bound his own hands and feet and said, Thus says the Holy Spirit, So shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. And so he has a very clear word of knowledge given to the Apostle Paul by the prophet Agabus. But Paul doesn't go to Agabus to get this word. Paul is, is in uh, Philip's house at the time. They're in Caesarea. They're on their way to Jerusalem. The Holy Spirit sends Agabus to Paul to give him this word. Now, when um, Agabus delivers this word of knowledge to the Apostle Paul, it's not something, there's no new revelation to Paul. Paul already knew this. All that the Holy Spirit was doing through his prophet was confirming to Paul what he already knew. And so, again, that gives us an indication as to how the prophet's ministry works within the church today. God gives us a revelation knowledge of His will for our lives in our spirits. Um, for His Spirit bears witness with our spirit as to what the will of God is for our lives. And so we know on the inside of us, this is what God's wanting me to do. And the Holy Spirit shows us things to come. Now, Paul had already, God had already revealed to Paul long before this time that he was to go up to Jerusalem and that when he got there that he was going to incur tribulation that he knew that and you can go back and look at their uh, scriptural account in the book of Acts you'll understand well, we, uh, what I'm saying there so the, the prophet Agabus comes along and he says thus says the Holy Spirit you're going, you know, you're going to be handed over to the Gentiles so it's not new revelation to Paul it's confirmation to Paul of that which he already knows in his own spirit and so that is primarily what the role of the prophet is in the church today in this category. Because now don't forget, in, in this, in this um, role, should I say, a function, because don't forget the main function of the prophet New Testament and Old was to, is to preach the Word of God. Um, and that is still the primary function. The prophetic gift function is, is not the primary uh, function of the, of the prophet. The prophet is primarily called of God to preach and teach the word of God. But they do have these um, prophetic gifts or spiritual gifts that operate through their ministries. And one of those giftings is the word of knowledge, as Agabus displays here. But the gift is used by God through his prophet to confirm that which the saint already has received by the Lord uh, through his spirit in, the, in their own spirits. And so that's the difference in, in the area of guidance between the, the two prophets' ministries, Old Covenant and New Covenant. Old Covenant, you had to go to the prophet to get your guidance because you had no other way to find out. New Covenant, the prophet gets sent to the individual. Now, not always does God send a prophet to individual people like he did with Paul and Agabus in this case. What happens, the prophet's ministry, as we'll see, is a traveling ministry. The prophet's ministry is by and large to go around from church to church. Now, when the prophet does come to an individual church, then the Holy Spirit quite often will come upon that uh, uh, prophet and he will then minister words of knowledge and words of wisdom to the saints in the congregation. But when he does, it will not be that every, I, he ministers to everybody, you know, whoever wants, who wants a word from the Lord, come to me and I'll give you a word from the Lord. It doesn't work that way. It works on this wise, that the prophet is now ministering and then the anointing comes on him and the, and the Holy Spirit moves upon the prophet to identify individuals in the congregation. Thus says the Lord to you, what, 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 what. And it will always be 
confirmation of what the individual already knows in their own spirit. So it will not be new revelation to them. In other words, a prophet won't say, God wants you to go to another town, and God's not spoken to you about this. This is the first time you're hearing about it. Um, that's not the way God operates under the new covenant. New covenant, he tells you, I want you in another town. Now you sit in there, you're thinking, Lord, is this really you? Um, and you, you kind of debating the issue on the inside. Now the prophet comes to the church and you're sitting in the congregation. He, he stands up and he says, um, whatever your name is, uh, God has told me that he wants you to move to another town. This is confirmation of that which he's already shown you. And now you've got confirmation. So now you can say, okay, Lord, so that is really you speaking to me. And you can then be obedient uh, in that area. But it's never a case of the prophet says, I want you to do because what happens is that when the prophet, these guys are operating out um, with deceiving spirits, what they will do is they will give you words of knowledge about yourself that are supernatural, um, and you know they'll tell you the the number of your bank account for argument's sake. They'll tell you the name of your boss at work. They'll they'll, they'll tell you things that they can only know supernaturally. And because it's supernatural, it kind of throw, it can have the ability to throw the saint. Because then they will say, and now God says, this is what you should be doing. But God's not said that at all. But because there's that supernatural element there, saints can be deceived into thinking, well, God's speaking to me, I need to be doing this. But God's not speaking to you through that individual. Because as I say, the prophet's ministry is used by the Lord under the new covenant to confirm Whenever it's dealing with guidance, I'm talking about now, uh, whenever it's dealing with guidance, it's to confirm that which God has already spoken into the individual saints like themselves. So it's not a case of new revelation is brought through the, the guidance aspect of the uh, prophet's ministry. And so that's the difference really between the old covenant prophet and the new covenant prophet. Uh, we need to understand that because, as I say, the church has a tendency to view the new covenant prophet in the light of the old and they get into weird stuff because of that. So what about the prophets in, in the church today? Well, as I said, um, the main function of the prophet is to preach and teach the Word of God. That's their the primary function. The gifts of the Spirit are meant to be manifest through their ministries, but it's not the primary function. And so whenever you get prophetic ministries that concentrate on operating in the gifts of the Spirit and almost nothing with regards to the Word of God being preached, well then they've got the balance wrong and they're in error. Because it has to be that all the ministry gifts, their primary function is to preach and teach the Word of God. And the prophet is no different. Um, the scripture we can look at in 1 Corinthians 9.16, the Apostle Paul speaking, but he's speaking on behalf of all the ministry gifts. This is uh, the uh, anointing upon them. He says, for if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of, for necessity is laid upon me, yes, woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. And he's, he talks about in 1 Corinthians that uh, the Lord's ministry gifts are the Lord's servants and stewards of the mysteries of God. And so that's their primary role, is to preach the gospel of God. Um, that's what God has called them to do. Now, um, but... They, the, the prophet's ministry in this area is different to the other ministry gifts except the ministry gift of the apostle because 
as, as uh, under the foundational uh, prophets that we saw, the, uh, the revelation knowledge given to the, that prophet's uh, gift is far deeper than um, the other ministry gifts, except the, the apostle. The prophet also stands in the same um, revelation anointing that the, the apostle stands in, in this aspect of their ministry. I'm talking about the preaching and the teaching aspect of the word of God. And so the prophet um, today receives revelation knowledge uh, of the word of God in, so that they, when they proclaim the word of God, their understanding of the word of God is far deeper than the other ministry gifts, excluding the apostle. Obviously, we've dealt with the apostle's ministry now, up to now already. But the, the prophet's ministry falls into that same category. So the understanding of, of the mysteries of the Word of God is far deeper than the, other, the rest of the ministry gifts, uh, because that anointing is upon them for revelation knowledge. And the scripture we can look at, in is, in, we, we've dealt with it with the, the apostles, but it's applicable to the prophets as well. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 4 and 5. Scripture says, By which when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets. And so, when a prophet teaches the Word of God, um, very often it, there's revelation knowledge that comes that is imparted that the, the, the members of the congregation have not heard before. Now, it's not revelation knowledge outside of the written New Testament. It's revelation knowledge within the written New Testament. But um, it takes this ministry gift to be used of the Lord to bring that uh, revelation to the church so she can see it clearly for the first time. That's what this gift, in the, the aspect of teaching and preaching the Word of God. That's, as I say, this particular anointing is upon the prophet when they preach and teach the Word of God. And so it, quite often it can actually seem that the prophet is actually preaching new doctrine because, you know, this is stuff we've not heard before. But it's all New Testament based and it's all out of the mouth of two or three witnesses. The Word is established in the New Testament. So it's, it's not new doctrine. It just seems like it's new doctrine because primarily, as we said, with the, the ministry gift of the apostle, the ministry gift of the prophet is used of the Lord today in the church to restore New Testament doctrine to the church. So what happens is the church has been going along thinking this is what God says in his word about a certain certain subject. The prophet comes along and he says, uh-uh, that's actually the wrong interpretation of what you thought God said. God didn't say that at all. God, in fact, is saying this. And he is able to teach it very uh, um, accurately, rightly dividing the word of truth. And so, you know, the, the, the church listens to this and they're hearing it for the first time. It's not written, in, it's not because it's never been in the Bible. It's always been there. It's just the blinders have been up. And the church hasn't seen that truth. And so the prophet comes along and he, now he reveals that truth to the church. And so it's as if they are seeing new doctrine. But it's old doctrine that Paul and, the, and Peter and John, James and June, all the guys preached in the early church. <clears throat> it just got lost to the church over the ages. And now the Lord is busy restoring that to the church. And so 
From that aspect, the prophet's ministry is quite often resisted within the church because the prophet will then begin to proclaim doctrine that is New Testament doctrine, but it's not what the church has always heard because their traditions have taught them otherwise. And so now the prophet comes along and says, okay, your traditions are wrong. The word of God says this. And so you, you get the, in, the, in the world is called resistance to change. And the church is no different because it's baby, they're really the carnal Christians, the baby believers who say, and I'm talking about baby believers. I'm talking about people who've been in the church for 30 years. And they're still baby believers by and large. Um, and so they don't want to hear this because my granddad taught me differently. It might not, what granddad taught them might not be in the Bible, but that's what they've always believed. And so now a prophet comes along and says, Thus saith the Lord, this is what is written in the scriptures, and this is, you know, your traditions are wrong, uh, the word of God is right. And so that, there's that resistance to change. Um, our Lord put it this way in Luke chapter 5, verse 39. Uh, he said, and no one, having drunk old wine, immediately desires new. For he says the old is better, not better, is better. Um, and so, you know, there's, when the church is confronted with this restored truth, a lot of, you know, you, you, I can just go back to the Reformation age when um, Luther, Knox, and all those chaps were restoring the truth of salvation through faith in Christ. There was a lot of opposition from the church around them. The religious guys were really attacking them. And a lot of the guys lost their lives because of it. Um, and so that's just one example. But that's pretty much what does happen, is that the, the prophet, and the apostle falls into this category as well, but we've dealt with that. But the prophet will come into the church and say, guys, this is what the doctrine actually is teaching us in the New Testament. We need to now start doing this because this is what the Bible teaches us. And, you know, there's a lot of opposition that kicks in from uh, those who have drunk the old wine and they don't want to be exposed to the new. And so, you know, they, they, there's a huge amount of opposition. And as I say, some of the, the, the prophets and the apostles of the past actually lost their lives because they wanted to teach the church restored truth, not new uh, a doctrine that has to be added to the Bible, not at all. We're talking about restored truth of that which is already in the New Testament epistles. And so that's uh, another aspect of the prophet's ministry in the church today. And now we want to just touch on the spiritual gifts that pertain to the ministry gift of the prophet. Because uh, we saw under the Apostles' Ministry, all nine of the spiritual gifts have to be made manifest through that ministry gift in order for them to qualify. So we, the Prophet's Ministry is no different. It also has certain spiritual gifts that are allocated to it that form part of the ministry gift of the Prophet. And so we want to just um, now have a look and see what are the spiritual gifts that pertain to the ministry gift of the Prophet. Is it all nine again, like the apostle, or are there only specific gifts um, that pertain to the ministry gift of the prophet? And as we will see, that's the case. Um, in the Old Testament, the prophet was called, before they were called prophets, they were called seers. Um, now, the reason that they were called seers, S-E-E-R, the reason they were called seers is because they would see and know things supernaturally. So that's why people called them seers. The scripture is in 1 Samuel chapter 9, verse 9. Scripture says, Formerly in Israel, 
When a man went to inquire of God, remember under the Old Covenant, they had to go and inquire of God through the, the prophet. He spoke thus, Come, let us go to the seer. For he who is now called a prophet was formerly called a seer. And so the first term given to the, the Lord's prophets, they used to be called seers. And the, it was just a very practical explanation of what they did because they, they saw and knew things supernaturally. God revealed things to them. And so that was their title, and then God changed their titles to that of prophet. Now, under the, the New Covenant, the prophet is still also a seer. So he still has the same role to play from that point of view. Both prophet in Old Covenant and New Covenant also are seers. The, the prophet under the New Covenant also sees and knows things supernaturally as revealed to him by um, the Holy Spirit. Now, within the gifts of the Holy Spirit, there are nine gifts listed in, in, in the book of Corinthians, the gift of the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, the discerning of spirits, working of miracles, special faith, gifts of healings, um, prophecy, different kinds of tongues, interpretation of tongues. Those are the nine gifts given to us in Scripture. Now, out of those nine gifts, seven of those gifts operated under the Old Covenant. The, new, the Old Covenant prophet operated in seven of them. The only two that were not under the Old Covenant is the gift of the diverse kind of tongues and the interpretation of tongues. That Those two gifts are only for this church dispensation that we're living under now, the New Covenant that we're living under. But otherwise, all seven were operating under the Old Covenant. But of the... the the nine gifts of the Spirit, there are three of those gifts which are revelation gifts. Those three gifts are the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and the discerning of spirits. Those are the three gifts that reveal something to the church. Um, the gift of discerning of spirits, just to elaborate on that one briefly because it's not always clearly understood, is the gift given to the individual to, um, um, by the Holy Spirit to see into the realm of the Spirit. And so they get to see visions and um, dreams from the Lord. That's what they see through the operation of that gift. And so things are revealed to the individual through um, that, that gift. You talk, think about Peter when he was on the roof fast, uh, fasting. And he fell into a trance and the sheet was let down and he saw into the realm of the Spirit and God revealed to him that the Gentiles were also part of the church. So that's the gift of discerning of spirits operating um, through that. And so the revelation gifts um, form part of the ministry gift of the prophet. Under the old covenant was the case and under the new covenant will be the case as well. And we're going to have a look at the scriptural accounts of that now. But also, um, the gift of, obviously, the gift of prophecy forms part of the prophet's ministry. For to, prof, uh, to be a prophet, you're going to prophesy. And under the New Covenant, um, the, the, the gift of diverse kinds of tongues and interpretation of tongues linked together equal prophecy. Um, because those two gifts always have to work in conjunction with each other. It's no good uh, somebody has the gift of diverse kinds of tongues speaking out in an unknown tongue, the word of the Lord. Nobody understands it. That doesn't help anybody. 
But if there's the gift of the interpretation of tongues working with it, well, now the interpretation does bless everybody. And so those two gifts operating together equal prophecy. And the scripture we can have a look at for that is in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 5. Um, the Apostle Paul writing, he says, I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesy. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues, unless indeed he interprets that the church may receive edification. And so one who speaks out a, a prophetic word in tongues and interprets is then equal to uh, somebody who prophesies, because both the one who prophesies edifies the church, and one who speaks in tongues and interprets also edifies the church. So those two gifts equal the, the gift of prophecy. And so those three giftings also form part of the prophetic uh, ministry gift. So you have the three revelation gifts, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, discerning of spirits, and prophecy, or tongues and interpretation and the interpretation of, of tongues, oh, yeah, tongues and interpretation, those two gifts, and prophecy. But prophecy obviously will always be part of the ministry gift of the prophet. Um, now, just to give you clarification, because again, there's confusion that arises, there's a lot of confusion with the gifts of the Spirit and the ministry gifts as well. Um, but one of the, the confusion that arises with regards to um, the gift of prophecy is that the Scripture says you can all prophesy. And, so, and he says desire, uh, that I, especially, desire spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy, that the church may be edified. And so individual members in the congregation can operate in the gift of prophecy and also the gift of uh, diverse kinds of tongues and the interpretation of tongues. But let's just stay with prophecy for now. But now just because an individual in the congregation is used of the Holy Spirit in the gift of prophecy does not make them a prophet. For one to be called to the office of prophet, they have to have the call of God upon their lives to the full-time ministry. And their primary role, as I say, is to actually teach and preach the Word of God. Prophecy is a spiritual gift that is made manifest through their ministry gift. So, although the prophet will and does prophesy, um, and a member of the congregation can also prophesy, because the member of the congregation prophesies does not make them a prophet. There's the difference. So you, I, I trust you understand the, the difference between the two. Now, one who gives a, it from the congregation gives a prophetic word uh, in the church. The prophetic word is relatively simple in its um, deliverance. Let me. Uh, the, the scripture we can look at is 1 Corinthians 14.3. Scripture says, But he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. So the kind of prophetic utterance that would come out of somebody's mouth who prophesies in a church, a congregation member, a saint, he would say, thus saith the Lord, God loves you and God wants to bless you and you know, Jesus has died for your sins. That's the kind of prophetic utterance that will come out. It will edify the church, it will exhort her and it will comfort her. Uh, that's what that prophetic utterance is. Now when a prophet prophesies, he also has the gift of prophecy, just like the congregation member has the gift of prophecy. When he prophesies, he'll also prophesy at that level. Most of the time, he'll prophesy exactly at the same level. God loves you and God has blessed you. Think, things along those lines. But there are times that when the prophet prophesies, 
that a deeper anointing comes upon him and then he prophesies with a, a greater degree of revelation and there's more depth to that which he proclaims through his prophetic utterance, not through his teaching of the word now. Now we're talking about the spiritual gift of prophecy. And we have a look at an example. is in Acts chapter 11, verse 27 and 28. Scripture says, And in those days prophets came from Jerusalem to Antioch. Then one of them, named Agabus, stood up and showed by the Spirit that there was going to be a great famine throughout all the world, which also happened in the days of Claudius Caesar. And so we, here we see that the prophet Agabus comes to the church at Antioch. He comes with a grouping of prophets, by the way. We'll see that, that Scripture does kind of show us that prophets do travel around in team ministry. They don't always travel on their own. Quite often they travel together. Um, but Agabus gets up as a prophet and he prophesies in the church. But when he prophesies, he prophesies about an impending drought that's about to uh, hit the, the, the whole world, basically. Um, so he's, he's still prophesying, but now there's a deeper anointing that comes upon him, and he, God uses him to give that kind of revelation to the church. Now, the individual saint in the congregation who is used on a Sunday morning by the Lord to give a prophetic utterance never gives that kind of prophetic utterance because they don't have that degree of anointing upon them. So both the prophet and the, the individual saint had the same gift of prophecy. It's just that the prophet's anointing to operate in that gift is far deeper and he's able then to br bring a, a greater um, revelation to the church. And in this case, the revelation was that there's going to be a drought. And so God uses his prophets to prophesy in that manner. Um, so I trust you understand the difference really between the two. Um, something else that I want to now, because we're now looking at the, the, the spiritual gifts that pertain to the ministry gift of the prophet. And so we've seen that prophecy is one of the gifts that pertain to the ministry gift of the prophet, because the prophet will prophesy. But it's, uh, from time to time, the prophet will prophesy in a deeper anointing. And it carries a lot more authority when the prophet prophesies. Um, and it can also be sometimes an element of judgment in the prophetic utterance given by the, the prophet. Um, that will never happen through the congregational uh, member's prophecy. Um, but getting back to this um, incident of Agabus, because Agabus is a, a prophet that's identified to us in the book of Acts. So it's, it's, it's interesting for us to study his ministry. Um, and Paul is the other prophet that we get, we're looking at because Paul also stood in the office of prophet for quite a long time, roughly about 15 years, I think it was, maybe a bit less, no, about 15 years, before God moved him into the office of apostle. And so those two prophets' ministries we're going to look at in Scripture to determine what spiritual gifts operate through the ministry gift of the prophet. And so we've already seen prophecy operate uh, through uh, Agabus, and we know that prophecy also operated through Paul's ministry because he taught extensively on the subject, so he was fully familiar with it. Um, but something else that we see operating through Agabus' uh, prophetic... And one of the other gifts that we see operating through this um, utterance that Agabus gives... Oh, okay. I've, I've, I've mentioned... Let's just go back to this passage of Scripture, Acts 21, 10 and 11. Um, scripture says, And as we stayed many days, a certain prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. 
When he had come to us, he took Paul's belt, bound his own hands and feet, and said, Thus says the Holy Spirit, So shall the Jews of Jerusalem bind uh, the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. Just another aside quickly, Agabus was very demonstrative in the way that he gave his prophetic utterance. He actually takes Paul's belt and he binds his own hands. And he says, thus says the Holy Spirit. Um, when we read the account where Agabus stood up and said it's going to be a drought, the scripture says he showed by the Spirit there was going to be a drought. So different anointings come upon prophets in the way that they deliver the prophetic word that is given to them by God. But here we go in this particular account, we see the gift of the word of knowledge being displayed through Agabus's prophetic utterance because he tells Paul, this is what's going to happen to you. So he gives Paul a specific word of knowledge. Now, it's not a word of wisdom. He doesn't tell Paul what he should do about it. He just says, Paul, this is what's going to happen. So a word of knowledge gives you information. A word of wisdom gives you direction. This is what you should do about it. Um, but Agabus doesn't operate in the gift of the word of wisdom in this in incident. He only operates in the gift of the word of knowledge. And so we see the gift of the word of knowledge being operated through Ag Agabus's um, prophetic utterance. But there's something else that happens here, is that Agabus receives revelation knowledge from the Lord. He operates in the gift of the word of wisdom, because it was the Holy Spirit that revealed to Agabus that he needed to go down to Paul in Caesarea and deliver the word to him. And Agabus gets that information via the gift of the word of wisdom. The Holy Spirit gives uh, Agabus counsel as to what he wants him to do. And so that's what the word of wisdom is all about. So we see that the prophet Agabus is operating in the gift of, the, of prophecy, the gift of the word of knowledge, and the gift of the word of wisdom. Those three um, gifts we see manifest through Agabus's ministry at this point in time. Now the apostle Paul, when he was a prophet, also operated in the gift of the word of wisdom, um, the word of knowledge. So, um, and we pick that up in Acts chapter 9, verse 11 and 12. The scripture says, So the Lord said to him, to, uh, the account is our Lord speaking to Ananias, Arise and go to the street, call straight, and inquire of the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he is praying, and in a vision he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hands on him so that he may receive his sight. And so here we see Paul as a prophet, because straight away, he, when he was, came into the kingdom, he was in the, the gift of prophet, a prophet straight away. He only moves into apostle ministry later on in his, in his life. Two of the gifts of the Spirit we made manifest to Paul here as a prophet. He, the gift of discerning of spirits made manifest because Paul sees a vision. He sees in the vision Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so that he can receive his sight. In that vision, he at the same time receives the word of knowledge because um, the Holy Spirit reveals to Paul that a person by the name of Ananias is going to come and lay hands on you so that you can receive your sight. That's a word of knowledge. And so we see in Paul's ministry gift as a prophet, he operated in the gift of discerning of spirits and the word of knowledge. So we've seen and we know that Paul operated in the gift of prophecy. We know that Paul also operated in the gift of uh, different kinds of tongues and the interpretation of tongues, again, because Paul teaches us very extensively on those gifts. And so, because we're trying to establish between the two prophets, Agabus and Paul, what spiritual gifts operated through their ministry. So thus far, we've established Agabus, 
gift of prophecy, word of wisdom, word of knowledge. Those three gifts. Paul's ministry so far, we've seen prophecy, diverse kinds of tongues, the interpretation of tongues, discerning of spirits, and now we see the word of knowledge. Also operating through Paul's ministry as a prophet. Um, but we, Paul also operated in the ministry gift of the word of wisdom. Because we pick that up in Galatians 2.2. 2. Scripture says, And I went up, Paul talking about himself, I went up by revelation and communicated to them that gospel which I preach among the Gentiles, but privately to those who have reputation, lest by any means I might run or had run in vain. And so Paul, by the word of wisdom, had been given instruction of the Holy Spirit to go up to Jerusalem and compare gospels that he was preaching with the gospel that Peter, James, and John was preaching. At this time, Paul is a prophet. And so we see the gift of the word of wisdom being operated through Paul's ministry as a prophet at this time, in that the Holy Spirit reveals to him he needs to go up and, and compare Gospels. And so we see quite clearly that um, in Paul's ministry, we, he operated with prophecy, um, diverse kinds of tongues, the interpretation of tongues, discerning of spirits, um, the word of wisdom and the word of knowledge. So Paul's got six of the ministry gifts, uh, operating, spiritual gifts, operating through his ministry. Um, Agabus, we see three. We see prophecy. We don't see him speaking out in diverse kind of tongues, the interpretation of tongues. And we see um, word of wisdom and word of knowledge. And so what we see here, um, and there's another account in Scripture, Acts 22, 17, 18, Paul falls into a trance, he sees the Lord in, 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 in that vision. Scripture says, Now it happened when I returned to Jerusalem, I was praying in the temple, that I was in a trance, and saw him talking about Jesus saying to me, Make haste and get out of Jerusalem quickly, for they will not receive your testimony concerning me. And so there's just another account of Paul operating as a prophet in the ministry gift of discerning of spirits. And so those are the... The ministry, the, the spiritual gifts that are operating through those two prophets uh, in New Testament. And so what we see actually operating is in both of them. Now, the, the two prophets don't have the same spiritual gifts operating through them. In, in, they've, they've both got exactly the same gifts. Um, because they, they, but they do have, um, what's the word I'm looking for? They do have um, common denominator gifts. Spiritual gifts operating through their ministries. Both Agabus and Paul operated in the gift of prophecy. Okay? But Paul operated in tongues and interpretation of, of tongues, Agabus not. Both Agabus and Paul operated in the gift of uh, the word of uh, knowledge. Both Agabus and Paul operated in the gift of the word of wisdom. Paul operated in the gift of discernment of spirits, Agabus not. So we said that there are three revelation gifts in the, in the nine gifts of the Spirit, which is the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and discerning of spirits. And so of the revelation gifts, two of them um, were operating through both prophets, but three of them were operating through Paul, not through Agabus. And so in order for Agabus to qualify as a prophet, he needed two revelation gifts operating through. He operated with word of wisdom, word of knowledge. Paul operated with three of the revelation gifts, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, and discerning of spirits. Agabus not. Both prophets operated with the gift of prophecy, but Agabus didn't operate with discerning of spirits and the interpretation. I'm not discerning. 
uh, with the diverse kind of tongues interpretation of tongues. And so we see that the common denominator gifts that are required for one to stand in the office of prophet in the New Testament today is they have to have the gift of prophecy operating through their ministry, at least the gift of prophecy. And they have to have at least two of the revelation gifts operating through their ministry. Agabus had two, Paul had three. So they can have more than two, but they must have at least two. And so that's the spiritual giftings that we see operating through the ministry gifts of the prophet. Now, in both prophets' ministry, we do not see any of the power gifts being made manifest through them. The gift of faith, a working of miracles, and gifts of healings. We don't see that manifest through the prophet's ministry at all. Later in Paul's ministry, when he became an apostle, we see the gift of faith, working of miracles and gifts of healings being made manifest through his, his ministry. But when Paul was a prophet, we don't see that at all. So that's another thing that we need to understand. That, um, a, a prophet does not... Now, the prophet can have um, those other power gifts operating through the ministry, like miracles, uh, gifts of healing, working, uh, special faith. But it's not a requirement for the prophet to have those spiritual gifts operating through their ministry in order for them to stand in the office of prophet. What is a requirement as the spiritual gifts that pertain to the ministry gift of the prophet is the gift of prophecy and at least two of the revelation gifts. Uh, either the word of wisdom, word of knowledge and discerning of spirits. A, co a, combination, a combination of two of those three. That is the requirement for one to stand in the ministry gift of the prophet in the church today. Um, so yeah, I trust that you've understood that. And then we just want to close off with the fact that the ministry gifts of the apostles, uh, the, the prophets are in fact traveling gifts that go across to the various churches. There are not nearly as many prophets in the church as there are pastors and teachers in the church. And so whereas you're going to get a pastor roughly in nearly every congregation out there, you're not going to get a prophet in every congregation that's out there. And that's why the prophet's ministry is meant to travel around between the churches so that the church can be exposed to those ministry gifts because she needs to be exposed to those anointings. And the scriptures we can look at is in Acts chapter 11 verse 27. <clears throat> the scripture says, And in these days uh, prophets came from Jerusalem to Antioch. So Jerusalem was the base church for these particular prophets. And there's a grouping of prophets again because it says, In these days prophets came. Um, and so prophets do, as we said, travel around in teams very often. But these particular prophets were based, their home church was in Jerusalem. They went to minister in the church at Antioch. And so that's what the, a prophet will do. He'll go around from church to church to minister and then always return to his home-based church where he's based. Um, so I trust you understood that. Let's look at another scripture, which is in Acts chapter 15, verse 32. The scripture says, Now Judas and Silas themselves being prophets also exhorted and strengthened the brethren with many words. And there so we see Judas and Silas with two prophets, also again based in the church at Jerusalem. They came out of that church and they also went to Antioch to minister. Antioch seemed to be been a favorite destination. But nevertheless, they would go to those particular churches, to the different churches, and they would minister in the churches because the prophet's ministry is a traveling ministry. Now, prophets are based in, in local churches as well, 
but very few of them, um, because there's, there's not a lot of prophets in the church. And so that's why the Lord sends them out into the churches so that the whole church can be exposed through their ministry. And, but it's not a case that their, church, their, their ministry is, is welcomed in churches. A lot of churches are resistant to the ministry gift of the, of the prophet because they don't understand it. And because, as I said, they, they teach doctrine that sometimes it goes against uh, traditions. And so, you know, uh, there, there can be resistance to that, to that particular ministry gift. And they don't understand, uh, I'm talking about churches, congregations don't understand the supernatural. They haven't really been exposed to the spiritual gifts as such. And so they, they're uncomfortable when a prophet uh, ministers in their midst because now the prophet, you know, shows up. Uh, the, the gifts of the Spirit. But um, churches that kind of withdraw themselves from being exposed to that ministry gift will never reach maturity in the Lord because we've right at the outset we said that the church needs to be exposed to all the ministry gifts in order for her to mature. And so the churches that close off their pulpits from the ministry gifts of, I'm talking about genuine prophets of the Lord, um, will never grow strong and they'll never grow to maturity they'll always be baby christians because they are uh, not being exposed to what the lord wants them to uh, be exposed to and our lord made a comment along that line luke chapter 10 verse 16 he said he who hears you hears me he who rejects you rejects me and he who rejects me rejects him who sent me and so there are churches that just close off their pulpits they say sorry we don't want that that ministry gift in our church and they're actually rejecting the Lord uh, in doing that because the Lord sends his prophets to the churches to minister to his churches. Because don't forget, he's the head of the church. He raises up these ministry gifts and he sends them out into his church to minister to his church. And so for a church to say, we don't want that, they're saying that not to the prophet, they're saying that to the Lord. And they will have to give an account uh, of that to the Lord themselves on that day. But nevertheless, what they do is they hinder their spiritual growth. Because the Lord says, well, you know, if you're not going to receive my prophet and he can't speak into your lives because there's stuff that he can only impart to you that no other ministry gift can, then, you know, I can't bring you into maturity. You're going to have to stay in that babyhood stage. And that's exactly what happens in a lot of churches. And that is all that we want to discuss with regards to the ministry gift of the prophet. We won't need to go through any more depth on that. In the next teaching, we'll begin to look at the ministry gift of the evangelist. But um, we're going to close off the teaching on that point today. Amen.